When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by the Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Vicki Connor. Together, we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, we're taking a little bit of a detour to talk about first aid, but not the kind of first aid you probably learned in Scouts. That's right, Vicki. We're talking about herbal first aid, or healing using plants, the kind that you might grow in your garden or you might find alongside the trail when you're hiking. So whether you have a cut or a bee sting or run into some poison oak, there's probably a good plant for you. And because neither of us is exactly an expert in herbal first aid, (laughs) we brought on a couple of people who know a lot about it. And from Southeast Portland herb shop Wildish, we have Madrone McCarthy and Tessa McKee, who also co-facilitate workshops on herbal first aid. Madrone, Tessa, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. Mm-hmm. So let's get into a little bit of the basics of this. What's kind of a basic definition of herbal first aid, Madrone? Um, these would be plants and remedies and preparations of the plants that you can use for really simple, common ailments like cuts, bruises, burns, stings, anything that you would think to like slap neosporin and a Band-Aid on it or wrap it up tight with some gauze. Um, You can do most of those things pretty effectively with plants. Of course, there's still situations where you want to go to the hospital, um, but there can be plants that can make that process a little bit easier on the way there. I feel like some people might not think of this as, they might think of this as sort of like non-traditional first aid, but I, I feel like this is a pretty, these are pretty ancient practices. Is this, is this in fact sort of more traditional way of doing first aid? I would really say so. I mean, um, it's really kind of harkening back to folk herbalism practice. It's um, using things that are really accessible and abundant. They're um, plants that you can easily find just growing on the side of the trail or uh, growing in disturbed places, especially. Um, so, and it's, and it's free, um, free to access. Um, so it is definitely Uh, traditional craft for sure. And so are these plants that you grow at home or that you just like find on a trail when you get hurt? How does this work? Yeah, a lot of them are plants that are very easy to grow. Um, Plants that, you know, many of our ancestors have grown in their home gardens for a really long time because of the many medicinal uses they have. 
And they're also plants, like Tessa said, um, that grow in disturbed places, old homesteads, um, along along roads, along trails, and place uh, plants rather that you'll find in wild places. So there are a variety of plants that you can find in a variety of places for all the things that ail you. We're gonna get into like some of those specific plants in just a minute, but but first, I I I've one. I guess my question is for folks who are used to just like squeezing something out of a tube that you buy in this store, how are you using these plants? What are the different ways that you can actually do first aid with plants? Well, there are a ton of really practical, easy ways to use them. Probably the easiest way would be um, a compress or a poultice, which is just using raw plant material with water and maybe needing a little bit of gauze. Um, And you can get a little bit deeper into practice by doing um, infused oils or salves. Um, But it is incredibly easy to use. You don't need a ton of tools, really. Um, And if you want to buy it, uh, we do make it as well, too, if you wanted to buy already already infused oil and salve. But we enjoy teaching the class because I think that we really care about empowering people to feel confident that they can make good medicine themselves at home as well. For the two of you, how did you get involved with learning about this? For myself, I've been slowly trying to learn herbal remedies for all types of things from first aid to like digestive support, menstrual support, um, just to kind of untangle myself from having to go to CVS or like the pharmacy and things like this. Um, like Tessa said, kind of empowering ourselves to know how to do these things on our own in the way that many of my ancestors did. Um, so for me, it was a lot about just curiosity, like how can I deal with this on my own and not have to go out and buy something, um, things like this. And lots of study and trying things and getting a little bit nervous to like slap a leaf on my bleeding wound <laughs> and see if it's going to work or you know, there was definitely a point when I first started learning about all, all of this where I thought that was like dirty or gross or going to make it more infected and had to, you know, go through that process of demystifying that and seeing that the plants really are there to um, support all of us and, and help us in different ways when you know how to. I think also that uh, herbal first aid is, for me, at least was uh, kind of my intro to herbalism in general. And I feel like it's a really good place to start because like I said earlier, there are plants that are easy to access. So I think probably for me, and I think pretty commonly for most people, like yarrow is such a huge one just because it mm-hmm. is literally all over the place. As far as like my background goes to like Madrone uh, is currently taking classes with an old mentor of mine, Corinne Boyer. Um, and I took her uh, just herbalism folk herbalism class that she does out of, out of her property up in Olympia, Washington. Um, before that, it was a lot of uh, self-taught and, you know, reading like Scott Cluse books and uh, just being able to identify what was around me um, and being able to interact with the natural world um, in a way more than just appreciating it in a surface level um, for its beauty, being able to learn the names of the trees and of the weeds and other plants growing around us. Well, Tessa, you mentioned yarrow as one plant. I do want to get into some of those plants here. So obviously there's like so many plants that do so many things. I thought maybe we could stick to like four for today and just do some quick introductions of what these plants are 
and what kinds of things they can do for us in this context. So why don't we start with yarrow? Um, that's the, since that's one you just mentioned. Yeah, um, yarrow is a beautiful flower and probably one that most people will recognize if you're not already familiar with it. Um, it has like a very unique sweet smell. It kind of reminds me of honeycomb and it has like little clusters of tiny white blossoms. Um, and it usually grows in kind of drier soils and likes a lot of sun. So in disturbed places in the wild, um, you'll find it pretty abundantly. Um, and that's one that you can very easily grow from seed at home. Um, I do usually just harvest it wild, though, just because it is all over the place. Um, there's a lot of different species of yarrow, but most commonly you're going to find Achillea malfolium, which is the white one. You can find ornamentals um, of like different colored, like yellow flowers are pretty common in plant nurseries. Yeah, so let's see. I mean, there's so much to say about yarrow. Its its main use, though, uh, is is used as a styptic. So that just means that it helps to coagulate blood. So um, it's really helpful for minor cuts and injuries, um, or even something as bad as an emergency situation where you have a more serious cut. I during the class um, that Jamie had attended. Um, with Madrone and I, uh, I talked about a friend of mine up in Olympia who had uh, injured his foot pretty badly with a lawn a lawnmower accident, um, and been able to use nearby yarrow to stop up the bleeding, um, which is pretty amazing. And obviously, he went to the hospital after that um, for an injury like that. But um, to be able to have access to yarrow um, as such an abundant herb um, for such a useful purpose that could potentially even be life saving. Um, and as well as it being aseptic and um, being helpful for stopping wound bleeding, it is also has an affinity for the lungs as well. So it is opening to the lungs, um, which is another really useful thing to remember if somebody you were say to be um, having an asthma attack around you because it is opening to the lungs. That's another use. Like just for example, even just chewing on the flowers um, can be really helpful for that. And so for a case like this, like lawnmower accident, is it something you just, you take the flower and you directly put it onto the the cut or the injury? Yeah, absolutely. So if it was an emergency situation like that and you don't have your yarrow dried and powdered and perfectly ready to go, you can literally just grab the flowering tops and then just chew them up a little bit and directly apply them to the wound. Um, and that is... Maybe not the most ideal way, just chewing it and putting it on, but it's going to have that styptic effect or coagulating effect if you're losing blood. So I think it's something like a liter of blood can be lost before you start to lose consciousness. So being able to act fast like that can be really important in some situations. But most commonly, I would use your like if I nick myself with a kitchen knife or some such thing like that or uh, some kind of minor injury. I typically just have like a little vial of the dried and powdered flowering tops. Um, and I just apply that directly to the wound there. Um, so there's a few different ways you could do that. Also, I mean, you can also do um, compresses or poultices. We can talk about the differences between poultices um, and compresses in a little bit. But the, the hard thing for me is remembering that that plant has that we can we can use plants in that way. Even like just before we recorded today, I cut myself in the kitchen and I have literally a jar of dried yarrow in the kitchen and still I didn't think about it. I'm like running to the, the you know, the medicine cabinet to get like, you know, some something else to put on there. It's, just, it's like retraining ourselves to remember that these plants have these properties, which is a whole other process. 
very simple and effective solution. Um, and also something that you can like feel proud of too, to be able to, you know, have this knowledge and be able to handle something yourself. Um, I think you're just more connected to the objects and the things we're using um, in our homes. I think I mentioned this in the class, but it almost, when you start to learn all this, it becomes exciting to like potentially nick yourself in the kitchen or you know have your housemate do the same you're like wait a minute I have a solution I have a solution <laughs> this happened in my home the other day my, my partner cut his finger when he was cutting up vegetables and my housemate was like well I have this like natural neosporin thing you know it's it's not bad ingredients I was like no 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 I got this you guys let me <laughs> let me handle this one went to the herb cabinet got some yarrow and it's fun to watch people be like what are you doing to me what are, what's gonna happen and then they get so amazed, like, to see how quickly the bleeding actually stops when, you know, my partner said usually he bleeds through two Band-Aids when he cuts himself cooking. But when I put the yarrow one in it, it stopped pretty much immediately. And it's just fun. Once you once you see it happen one or two times, you can get really excited that you have that, that skill. And it feels like magic to a lot of people. So, so mm -hmm. cool. Well, so yarrow, obviously great plant, a lot of uses. Um, I feel like we could have a whole episode here just on yarrow. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So I was like, I'm going to stop myself. What, what is another plant? Um, uh, what's the next one that you, you two want to talk about? Um, I would love to talk about St. John's wort. St. John's wort is a really, really beautiful, very weedy kind of flower um, that blooms during midsummer with these really pretty little yellow flowers. And if you pick one off and rub it between your fingers, you'll see this red, like blood red purple sap come out. That's how you know it's St. John's wort and not uh, a lookalike plant uh, like tansy. And the leaves also have these really kind of cute little holes in them. If you pick a leaf off and hold it up to the sun, you'll see pinholes um, of light coming through. Some of the other names for the, the plant have been the devil's pinprick, um, or Devil Hunt, Mary's Image. Um, it has a lot of kind of protective religious Im imagery tied to it. It's named after uh, St. John, of course. And it's used in herbal first aid uh, a lot for burns and wounds, bruises, as well as kind of outside of herbal first aid, but just good to know uh, for nerve pain specifically. So a lot of times when we have plants that are related to the sun or look like the sun or are bright in some way, they're often indicated for things like burns. And so the way you would use St. John's wort, similarly to you know yarrow and some of the plants we'll talk about um, after this, again, you can do fresh poultice you know, if you are, again, out in the park or on a trail and you nick yourself and you're like, oh, there's no yarrow around. Well, now I can't do anything. Well, you see some St. John's where it'll work great too. Um, so you can put it in your mouth, chew it up, um, and apply it to your wound. Um, but a kind of common preparation for it is to make an infused oil. So in the summertime around midsummer, you will harvest the flowers when they're in bloom and let them sit for maybe an hour or so and then put them in oil. So you do it fresh. You, you don't need to dry them out. It's really nice to have that fresh sap in your oil. Um, and you can let that sit in the sun for a week or two, or you can do do it on the stovetop, a double boiler. Um, and you'll get this really, really rich, like blood red color. And once you get that, you know, your oil is pretty complete. And you can bottle that up and put that in your herbal first aid kit that now you'll be excited to make and take around. And when you get a, a 
burn in the kitchen or a bad bruise falling uh, down the trail, something like this, you can apply that oil to it. Um, and again, you know, with burns, you'll want to, of course, let it kind of heal a little bit before applying an oil directly to it. But once it's in that healing phase, you can apply oils to burns. Um, St. John's wort is one to remember specifically for puncture wounds. So if you step on a nail or like poke yourself sewing, um, you'll want to kind of let that bleed out a little bit to clean itself out before packing it with something. But something like yarrow or comfrey, which I'll talk about a little bit later, um, kind of heals the the top tissue very fast, especially comfrey. So if you have access to something like St. John's wort, that's going to be better because it actually heals the tissue from the bottom layer up as opposed to top down like comfrey. Um, again, if you have, if all you have is yarrow and you're like, I really need to pack this, it's a gushing wound, it's fine. Um, but just clean it out really good after. Um, but if you have St. John's wort, that's going to be really great for puncture wounds. When you talk about creating this oil from St. John's wort, is it something where you like, you can make like a big batch and just like have it on deck? Or is it something you just make small little vials of it and keep it around? Yeah, you can t- you can make a big batch of it with with oils. You want to make you know what you would probably use within the year, just because oils can lose their potency or go bad or go rancid. I usually make about like a quart size jar, so fill it up with the flowers about three quarters of the way, and fill it uh, with the oil just two inches covering the flowers, and then strain that off once it turns red. and And I do store my oils in the fridge, um, like the big kind of master batch of it I'll store in the fridge and then the little bit that I'm using um, I'll bottle in like a two ounce bottle or something like that and carry that around with me so if you do keep it in the fridge it'll keep a little bit longer of course um, and yeah having all that oil or salve or whatever and not wanting it to go bad is also a great incentive to like utilize it all the time whether you have an injury or just like you want to totally. put it on your skin because it feels nice um, it seems like great great opportunity mm-hmm. so Talked about yarrow. Talked about Saint John's wort. What is uh, what is another plant that folks should be aware of? Well, I do very much love calendula. I actually even use it just as like a nightly moisturizer because it is so repairing to the skin. I would say if there's any one word to describe the medicinal action of calendula, it would be soothing. Um, it's a renowned healer of wounds, rashes, burns, fungal infections, and really any flesh-related wound or skin irritant. Um, this also goes for healing the inner skin of our bodies. So like I would often include calendula in like a digestive tea blend as well. Um, and it is antimicrobial and antifungal, which is really great for kind of like eczema related salves or oils also. Um, I do think it's cool too, that it was used also in like civil war medicine really commonly, um, to treat open wounds. So we talked about calendula or we talked about yarrow being used as a styptic um, and calendula can be used for this as well. And the drone kind of touched on this, but really just using what you have around you um, for treating wounds is really great. Um, but yeah, so calendula was used for its styptic effect and preventing hemorrhaging um, in the civil war. Um, but yeah. Calendula oil is definitely what I reach to for any kind of injury to the like surface layers of the skin, any kind of rash, um, itchy, fungal-related thing. Um, I've had like a really bad burn on my arms using calendula salve 
um, during like the later parts of the healing process. So not putting the oil or salve directly on an open wound, um, but putting it on a wound that's had time to scab and is already on its way to healing. It really um, helps speed along that process pretty fantastically. Um, I also use it on my niece's diaper rash all the time. Um, it's really effective for that as well. So it is super, super gentle. So like you can use it on an infant um, and it works great. Um, and you could also use calendula as a compress or a poultice as well. So um, a compress or a poultice you would want to be using on fresh wounds that aren't quite ready to be sealed off by an oil or a salve. Um, so just raw plant material, moistened, ground and moistened and applied directly to the wound. Um, is great also for that healing action. Um, yeah. Wait, is calendula one of these ones? I mean, you talked about yarrow and St. John's wort, finding these out in nature everywhere. Are you going to find calendula out in nature or is this more of a garden plant? Not typically. This is definitely more of a garden plant. Calendula is super easy to grow. There is a friend of the shop named Grady who has um, a practice called the Medicine Garden. So he grows a lot of uh, medicinal herbs um, so you can always find him on Instagram or reach out to him in like the spring months. But that's a really good place to find plant starts. Um, it is pretty easy to grow from seed as well, too. But for like beginner beginners, it is nice to get the plant starts and have the ease of that as well. Um, but yeah, you another note with calendula that is pretty important, too, is that you really want to use the whole bud of, the, of calendula, not just the flower petals. So it has this kind of sticky resin that is in the bud itself. So when you're making your oil, you just want to use the whole flowering top rather than just the petals. Well, I'd love to get into a few examples of some scenarios and maybe you can talk about what would be your go-to in each of these scenarios. Okay. So first off, maybe you're hiking, you somehow cut yourself, get a scratch from a branch or something. What are you looking for here? I would probably look for little white flowers kind of blooming around and find yarrow. Mm -hmm. um, and if I didn't see yarrow around, I would look a little bit closer, low to the ground, and look for plantain leaf, which is not one we, we talked about, mm -hmm. but um, very commonly seen like out on trails kind of when you're hiking and things like that. Um, and either of those would be my go-to. I would put it in my mouth, chew it up, <laughs> and slap it on my wound. Hopefully use my bandana to just close it, close it up. Yeah, something I love about plantain also is the drawing effects it has. So like one story that I bring up often is I was harvesting nettle with my friend and her like four-year-old kid. And uh, the nettle was pretty tall and he was like, knew how careful he had to be but he still ended up like whacking himself in the face with a nettle which is stingy and it's like on his face like over his eye and stuff and um he was being really brave about it but i could it was obviously like painful and really irritated um with like welts and everything so plantain grows often just right along trail sides where people are walking it's incredibly convenient to find mm -hmm. typically like you'll probably find it in like any public park you go to you'll find plantain um, and we just did the same thing where we just like chewed up the leaves and just had him hold it directly over his eye. Um, and it really helped him pretty quickly. So it, it's drawing out the, the poison, the drawing effect. So similar for like bee stings or that kind of thing as well. Um, plantain would be great. I was about to ask, um, I guess it, it depends on, on what 
you are using, but like how long does it take for these things to help you or take effect? It probably really depends, but within a matter of minutes, with the plantain would bring relief to something like a nettle sting. Well, let's let's do another scenario here. Okay, so like let's say you're you're hiking. It's a summertime. You got your shorts on. You're going off trail um, for some reason. Like you've got to you know go pee or something like that. You run into a bunch of poison oak, and you're like, oh no, what do I do? Are there some other plants around that can help me out with this poison oak? Um, the one we were just talking about, plantain, again, is its kind of drawing effects and its mucilaginous uh, compounds would, would be great to slap on there. You want to be sure when you get poison oak, I'm sure many people listening know, but just not to put like, if you have plantain oil or some kind of oil in your first aid kit, you don't want to put that on it. It's going to make the rash kind of spread a little bit. Um, but a water-based thing like a poultice that you chewed up in your mouth will be really helpful and soothing to that. One other note too that I failed to mention in the beginning is that when you are wild harvesting, it's really ideal to, uh, and it's, if you're in an emergency, that's one thing, but like it's really ideal to harvest from a clean place and not just like right off the roadside. It's really tempting when you're driving down a forested highway to be like, oh my God, there's your arm. I want to pull over and grab some, but that's not an ideal spot to harvest it. You want to be far away from roadsides and any like polluted areas or um, also just being aware if um, any pesticides are being sprayed, like in a lot of public parks, they do uh, spray pesticides. So you don't want to be ingesting that. Um, it's maybe a, a little bit less of a worry topically, but also I wouldn't, uh, I typically wouldn't harvest that for even external either. It's just ideal to be out in some wild place to get medicine, but that's a, a great note about pesticides. I live near Mount Tabor Park and I'm so tempted to like harvest plants from there, but I know, and they've told me, and I know that they use pesticides like crazy in that park because it's a city park. Um, and I just have to like be hands off and keep my hands to myself whenever I'm out there. Um, and a lot of places, I'm sure, you know, a lot, if not most city parks in various places will probably have uh, similar policies in place. I think there are all but one or two parks in Portland, at least, that don't spray. So just err on the side of things are sprayed. <laughs> Do you know of any um, rules or limitations about harvesting plants? Like, for example, like in state parks, are you, you know, not supposed to harvest plants in this way? Or for medicinal use, personal use, is that allowed? Have you had any experience with that? It's going to depend greatly on the park. Um, so you can always look it up beforehand. There are some places where you need permits for certain kind of harvesting. Um, I'm not super familiar with like the, you know, whether you're mushroom foraging or plant harvesting plants, things like this, um, what the exact regulations are, but it's always good to look into that beforehand. So you don't run into some problems. I've never had like trouble with that. To be honest, I haven't really looked into like if I'm allowed to, I'm like, as long as there's plenty of herb, because I think it's also just like, am I going to, you just don't want to take everything. Mm -hmm. um, you want to make sure that it can grow back again later on. And I think the great thing though, is that a lot of these plants are weeds. So like, you know, it's not going to hurt to take a great amount. Just don't wipe it all out. And I think that's, I, at least I imagine that's why they would have regulations like that. So you're not just like totally disrupting an ecosystem or like robbing the place. But I think that this kind of medicine is really abundant. So 
I personally am not super worried about mm-hmm. harvesting, but yeah, you just want to make it look like you just want to make it look like you weren't there. Yeah, yeah. So, in case uh, any of our listeners now have piqued interest in herbal first aid, how can people get more into it? Well, we do have another class planned for December fifteenth um, at our storefront in, uh, called Wildish Botanicals, just on Hawthorne. Um, we do have another class, um, on the second two, that's just basic 101 on how to tincture, um, and create your own extracts. Um, yeah, we're excited for mm-hmm. our next class next month. Um, and it'll just be, um, a repeat of the class that Jamie attended, um, and was very fun. It's mm-hmm. also, um, we really like to be hands-on, so we'll be pouring our own salves and, uh, wrapping our own poultices and, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, there are many folks who came into the shop after that class and saw the sign up and said, oh, I'm so sad I missed that. So we're running it back again. Um, maybe we'll, you know, make a different oil than the oil we made last time or something like this. But folks who come to the class will learn more in depth about the plants we talked about today and, and a, a few others. Um, and then we'll have a kind of a hands-on portion where we make a few things, like Tessa said, and everyone will go home with their own herbal first aid kit, both of the things we've made together and then a couple other things that we're preparing ahead of time for folks to take home, as well as a, a little zine that has a lot of information in it for quick reference that you can have in your kit when you're kind of out there and you're like, oh, no, I forgot, you know, which plant to use for this burn I just got at the campfire, you know. So if folks are interested, should they mm-hmm. um, head into the store, head to your website, social media? What's the best way to, to find that? Yeah, either one. We're going to be posting it on the Instagram, Wildish Botanicals PDX, uh, and also on our website. So you can just Google Wildish Botanicals um, and find that info. Um, also, happy to chat about it in the shop, too. Um, we're here all week, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and for any folks who are not local to Portland, I'm assuming there's a good number of books and literature where people can read about this as well. Yeah. You know, even actually the zine that Madrone mentioned is available on our website to purchase also. Um, yeah. If you're just, if you're in the Pacific Northwest area, um, I do really like the Scott Cluse plant of the Pacific Northwest as just the place to start for a beginner. Um, Cause it's just only plants that you're going to find in this area, which is helpful. A lot of herbals can be, you know, kind of overwhelming or have a ton of information. you like, uh, I don't know when I started out, I felt a little uh, lost looking at some giant books. <laughs> Tessa thank you so much for coming on and telling yeah. us all about this stuff. Um, and thanks for the class. I can't attest the class was very cool, very informative. Um, and I came home with a poultice still on my arm with a bandage wrapped around it. My partner was like, what did they do to you? <laughs> like, it's fine. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's educational. It's fine. <laughs> Um, so thank you so much again for coming on and uh, for teaching us a little bit about Herbal First Aid today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Well, folks, that will do it for today. Until next time, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com travel, as well as HereIsOregon.com. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you'd like to support this podcast, as well as our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details at OregonLive.com slash pod support. 
Also, if you're a fan of the show and you're interested in potentially sponsoring it, you can get in touch with our marketing people at advertise at oregonian.com. This episode of the show is produced by me, Vicki Connor, alongside Jamie Hale. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds. <laughs>